It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, it is Hump Day KT Live, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 here in the Vegas Valley. Great shows the last two nights. I will tell you, the uh, the old fish tank. That's right, trust in the old process. Fish tank and Mark Hoke doing an outstanding job on Monday. And then last night, my good pal, TV at work, Thomas Viola, and the guys taking care of business, Jason Halpern and uh, Chris DiMaria, is making his debut there on SportsX Radio. I thought they did an outstanding job both nights, Mondays and Tuesdays. Get with Mark Lawrence in just a sec. Tyler running the show tonight. Mark Hoke is uh, there supervising, does a good job at that, you know, at least on Mondays with Fish Fane. So uh, he's got some experience behind the mic. And, of course, behind the scenes, Mark does a great job all the way around. Lots of hockey going on as, of course, last night the regular season started. Vegas Golden Knights, exciting win, third period, late goal. They beat the L.A. Kings, New York Rangers beat Tampa Bay. Those were the only two games. A bunch more games. I'll get into those at the top of hour number two. Baseball playoffs going. Just the National League teams in action. Atlanta evens up their series with the Philadelphia Phillies with a 3-0 shutout. Good pitching duel in Atlanta. But the Braves all even as they head to the city of brotherly love for games three and four. Meanwhile, the Dodgers and the Padres. Pods lead at 4-3. to three. They go to the bottom of the sixth, I think it is. And some great defensive plays in not only that game, but the other game as well. Atlanta got a couple great over-the-shoulder catches from Swanson and from Riley, and Gratterall on a squeeze play fires home and uh, makes an incredible play. Bellinger also an over-the-shoulder catch, so a lot of great defensive plays as uh, baseball playoffs cruise on. I'm kind of bummed my Mets aren't there, but it is always great to watch good baseball this time of year, and we're seeing some good stuff. So Darvish couldn't last, but the Padres have gone to the pen, and Suarez is in there. They lead it 4-3. to three. It is the bottom of the seventh at Dodger Stadium. A Padre win will send it back to Petco down there in uh, San Diego, all even at one apiece, but they really have trouble closing out the Dodgers. I think they've dropped 22 of the last 25 head-to-head meetings. Get with Mark Lawrence in just a sec. Want to uh, 
just again uh, invite you to one of the three Steiners pubs in the Vegas Valley, 8410 West Cheyenne. That is the original now in their 25th year. 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South. That is over there in between South Point and Mandalay Bay over there on Las Vegas Boulevard right there at Windmill. And, of course, where KT is every Wednesday night, 1750 North Buffalo, right here at Vegas Drive. And uh, all three, 24 hours, you get great gaming, incredible food out of the kitchen. You want to get breakfast for in the afternoon. You want to get that lamb chop appetizer, whatever. I mean, they've got it all going on. The food is stupendous. It is outstanding. And the service is top of the line. So uh, they put it all together. Roger Sachs has three dynamite locations here in the Vegas Valley Steiner's Pub. And uh, KT really enjoys it. Drop in anytime on Wednesday nights. Come see me. I'm usually set up here by about 6 o'clock, 6.30, and then get rolling. Stay till about uh, about 10.30, 10.45, and head out. Some nights I'll stay a little bit later if there's some friends that are uh, making it into Steiner's Pub. But, again, 24 hours. So if you're working graveyard or swing shift here in the industry, here in the Vegas Valley, in the casino industry, you can make it to any of those three Steiner's Pubs and really enjoy yourself. All the sports games are replayed. They have great music playing throughout the day and the evenings as well. And uh, it is just an outstanding atmosphere. Mark Lawrence, of course, does a great job. Playbook Sports. Mark makes it out here every now and then. When he does, he does stop by Steiner's Pub. Mark, I'm telling you, lots of great football last week. Of course, I was taking in... uh, Little reggae concert downtown in Sand in, uh, in in Las Vegas there the downtown event center and uh, some great music on Friday Saturday and Sunday but was watching a ton of games you know at the local places downtown made it into Golden Nugget and Circa and all those great places down there but also uh, watching a lot on your phone which is kind of the nice thing that you can do nowadays with technology able to pick up a lot of these games on your phone so I was able to stay on top of some stuff and my boys from Southern Cal hanging in there and I. I did have UCLA, so I made some money on UCLA to beat Utah, and now USC's got to go to Utah. But first off, how is Mark Lawrence? Mark is doing just fine, Kenny. Glad you asked, and uh, glad you had a good time downtown Vegas. It's kind of a happening place down there again right now. And you mentioned the phones, having your phone with you and staying in touch with everything going on. I can recall the days in Vegas, I mean, back in the 80s, when you weren't even allowed to bring a cell phone into a sports book. Uh, largely because of beards and all that good business and stuff. But it's a different world we live in now today, and everything takes place in our phone, whether it's betting, catching up scores, or whatever it happens to be. So glad you had a great time in downtown Vegas. There you go. All right. Uh, 23-13, the only college game going on now. UL Lafayette, 327 away from getting a road win. They were actually plus 10 points, uh, closing number. At the Westgate was the last number that I had seen. Actually closed to 10.5, total 45. But Marshall got that early 7-0 lead. But that was it. They couldn't hold the uh, hold that lead. And it looks like the Raging Cajuns are going to get the outright road victory. This weekend, Mark, we've got some really good college football games going. And we've got Thursday night action, Friday night action. But let me get your take on that USC-Utah game. Because my thing with uh, the Utah Utes, and I, I was going to play them against USC. I looked at this spot and I said, especially if USC is undefeated. But as I as things started going and Brand Keithy was out for Utah, I don't think people, if, if they haven't followed this Utah team over the last several years, realize how valuable that guy is. He's not just a tight end. He's one of the best tight ends in the country. He's a great blocker, great receiver, and he's also a great decoy when they go to somebody else. And, and uh, they have a pretty solid running game as well. But they kind of lost a little. And I said, you know what? Let me see how they do after they after they lost him when they were at home in Salt Lake City against Oregon State. And Oregon State was coming off the tough home loss to USC, a game that they they should have won, and uh, you know and you know things just kind of went against them down the stretch of that game. 
even though the score ended up 42-16 Utah and their revenge angle, you know, paid off perfectly, you know, you have that stat that they have. They're just phenomenal as far as uh, revenge uh, the next season. But they were very fortunate to just win that game. And if, you know, for folks that don't watch the games and they just look at the score, 42-16, they're going, oh, Utah just killed them. Well, it wasn't like that. And they were actually were outgained in that game. And they also didn't win the, the battle in, in the trenches, which is something that I pay attention to, especially when Utah was going to go against UCLA. UCLA comes off the home win on a Friday night against Washington, who was flexing their muscles in Seattle. But it was their first road game. So went on UCLA. Their speed really paid dividends and DTR played playing a good job, doing a good job at quarterback. I came back with the Bruins against Utah, and they were definitely the better team there. Utah now goes back home. They're going to try and salvage their season by knocking off USC. I just don't know if they have the speed defensively to do it, and I'm not convinced that they're as tough as some of these Utah teams that I've seen from Whittingham in the years over, uh, you know, say the last five, seven years. Your take on that game, Mark, because I didn't have a chance to read your newsletter. I, I'm not betting the game, but I'm, I'm staying away from it. But initially I was going to be all in on Utah, especially if Southern Cal was undefeated going into Rice Eccles. Well, they are uh, that way going into Rice Eccles right now. And in fact, Southern Cal, Kenny, is one of only ten teams in college football this year that have won the yards in every game they played. Uh, Utah has been outgained, outstated in half of their football games this year, and I think a lot of that is con- uh, attributed to the fact that uh, they are being hunted this year. They won the Pac-12 conference. They're the number one team on everybody's schedule, and it's very, very difficult to put up back-to-back seasons like Utah had last year. So they're paying the price that way so far this football season here in Lincoln Riley's justifying his contract with Southern Cal right now. They were it was a four-win team he inherited, and they look to be the team to beat in the Pac-12 this year. Taking points uh, to me, I think the points are just a bonus in this football game. I think they're going to win the football game, and if you played uh, Southern Cal plus the points, you'd probably also want to put them on the money line. All right, good stuff there. All right, now I, I feel a little bit better getting your take. What about Bama and Tennessee? I mean, to me, it's all about Bryce Young. If Bryce Young goes. I'm not going to touch Tennessee. I really want to play the Vols. Hendon Hooker, one of my favorite players to watch. Again, very exciting player. But Alabama is just a different team confidence-wise, you know, when Bryce Young's on the field. And we saw him pull off the Houdini Act to avoid a, a would-be sack on, say, 90% of the college quarterbacks in, you know, NCAA football today when he made that sidestep and is able to get that key play against Texas to uh, help them win that game 20-19. to Look, the young kid, you know, has potential, but at the end of the day, he's not Bryce Young. And if Bryce Young goes, I think Alabama probably finds a way to win this game. If not, boy, I tell you, I'll definitely be on Tennessee. I know the line will be different, but where are you on this game? Tennessee at home, you know all of Knoxville area is going to stop. Peyton Manning, everybody associated with the Orange. T. Martin, back to their uh, last national title when he ran the helm there. Uh, Your take on this one. Tennessee right now catching seven. There is seven and a half you can get at Caesars. Mostly sevens around town. Uh, Some seven and a halfs, DraftKings and some of the faraway places. Where are you on this game? Alabama at Tennessee. Well, you go back and you look at the series here, Kenny, and open up the history book, and you'll see where Alabama has completely dominated Tennessee. And, in fact, going backwards in their last six games, they've scored an average of 48 points a contest. So this Tennessee defense is going to have to do something that they haven't done here of late, and that's shore up 
in this football game. But what they do bring to the contest is the number one ranked overall offense Tennessee does. It's very, very difficult to have a, a top-ranked offense like they have, an undefeated football team like they have, taking a touchdown on their home field in front of 100,000 fans. There's going to be a ton of pressure on Alabama in this football game now. As you mentioned here, it's all going to depend upon Bryce Young, their quarterback, whether he plays or he doesn't. If he does play, I think it's a real, real difficult handicap. If he doesn't play and they get the backup, they get Jalen Milrow. They have game film on Jalen Milrow, and I think it will really benefit Tennessee in the contest here. So uh, Milrow plays, put me down for the vowels. If he doesn't, I'll watch the game. I agree with you. Okay, good deal. All right, let's move on. Penn State at Michigan. I know Mark Hoke is sitting there. He's a big Nittany Lions fan. Mason Blue at home, minus seven in the big house, 51 and a half. Anytime I see a touchdown or better, I just want to take Penn State just because they're a gritty team. Look, they don't blow out anybody even at home. You know, their last game uh, prior to this one, they come off a bye, which is key. But their last game against Northwestern at home, only 17-7. But, you know, maybe looking ahead and thinking, okay, we got this game. But off the bye, that's key for me because Michigan, you know, they played last week. They took care of business. But at the end of the day, Penn State has two weeks to prepare for this game. When you have a veteran quarterback like Sean Clifford, I feel good about this Nittany Lions team at least staying inside the number. I think they have a chance to win this game. Michigan looking good, playing the role, but I don't think they've played a team as physical as Penn State as of yet. Where are you on this game? I'm going to be with you on Penn State in the football game here, Kenny. Uh, I'm not a big James Franklin fan by any means, but Jim Harbaugh's got some blemishes to, uh, him, himself in this contest as well. And you look at Penn State coming into the football game here. There's one role James Franklin's never failed in, and that's as a single-digit dog with the perfect record here. He's 4-0-1 to the spread in his career. Then you look on the flip side, and also the fact that Penn State's out-yarding opponents by 100 yards a contest. On the other side, you've got Jim Harbaugh, who has really struggled in his career against undefeated opponents. He's only 2-11 and to the number. Nine consecutive point spread losses in a row. This game has upset written all over it to me. I like the Lions plus the points to upend Michigan in this contest. All right, Oklahoma State and TCU, Sonny Dykes and Mike Gundy. I mean, this is another good, solid game on paper. Oklahoma State finds ways to win games as well and got a cover last week against Texas Tech. Texas Tech with a backup quarterback that played very well, and the Pokes got pushed, and then uh, they got that last touchdown. Now they're catching for Oklahoma State is in Fort Worth, 68-and-a-half against TCU. I'm leaning with the home team. I like Duggan. I like Spencer Sanders, but I think this TCU team, I think they have more speed. And Kendry Miller out of the backfield is really solid. And Quentin Johnson, to me, is one of the best receivers in the game. If Tay Barber can step up and help him out, I think TCU gets the win in the cover. But it's always difficult going against Okie State. Yeah, very well-coached Oklahoma State football team. They're in just about every game they play, Kenny. And you mentioned Max Duggan. Uh, he's right now in the top three amongst the Heisman Trophy talk to begin the football season. And if he continues to keep playing well, he can inch, keep inching up. Uh, now Oklahoma State brings Spencer Sanders into the football contest. This will be a great matchup between two really, really good quarterbacks. What TCU is in the football game is a lot of what we talked about last week, the 5-0 and Fat Cats, the team that start out 5-0. and They come favored in game six. That's what the Horned Frogs are doing in this contest. They went into Iowa State and won a war last week. I mean, that was a really bruising physical battle. Now they're going to come home and lay points to an Oklahoma State football team that just might be the better team. 
I'll play them plus the points. Give me the Cowboys in this game. All right, and then we've got Clemson. They're in Tallahassee against Florida State. Florida State, a 17-3 halftime lead, but found a way to lose that tough game against NC State and the backup quarterback with Leary getting knocked out. But Jordan Travis, he's been pretty solid. That game struggled a little bit with, uh, you know, the two interceptions, and that's not good, you know, when you're on the road. You, you know, you have that 14-point lead. They looked good. The Wilson boys will have to come up big. Pittman as well. Ward out of the backfield. I mean, Florida State's got weapons. Will Shipley, they got to worry about. And DJ Uyunglele is playing outstanding quarterback lately for Clemson. He's got 14 touchdowns, just the two interceptions on the year. And then Shipley's solid. You got Collins, Williams, and Nagata pretty good as far as the receivers for Clemson in the game. Clemson on the road. Favorite three and a half, 51. It's not a lot of points. It's kind of, you know, the one thing I remember from this season with Clemson was when they played Wake Forest and they got nailed on, what, six or seven pass interference penalties because they just couldn't cover those players. Florida State's got some players with speed, including the Wilson boys. Any chance FSU can win this one outright against Clemson and short-circuit their national title hopes? Well, right now, uh, this is a battle in the Atlantic where Clemson sits on top at 4-0, and Florida State 2-2. and So this is must-win, for the obviously, for the Seminoles in this contest. And that normally makes for a good, dangerous dog, a situation just like that. But I've been on this Clemson bandwagon since the beginning of the football season because I felt that they were tragically underrated. They had a lot to prove this football season, and they haven't proven me wrong so far this year. They've won six games in a row in the series here. They know how to take down Florida State. And, in fact, if you go look inside this series, the last eight times Florida State has been a home underdog, They've lost all eight of those football games and only covered the spread two times. I think you hit it on the head when you when you laid this uh, out to begin with here. That big lead they blew last week against NC State when they were up 17-3 to at the half and lost the game 19-17. That doesn't sit well with the football team the following week here. I think Clemson continues their winning ways in this football contest. All right, let's jump to the NFL. Buccaneers and Steelers. I mean, the Steelers, I was all over Buffalo and you know, Brad Powers telling me, hey, that's 14 points. You can't give Pittsburgh that kind of point. I said, look, without T.J. Watt, they are just a different defense. And I love Fitzpatrick, but there's just a different mindset when you have a guy. It's the same thing with San Francisco and uh, the L.A. Chargers. When they have Nick and Joey Bosa, respectively, they're, they're just different teams. They walk with a different swagger because they have that guy, that leader, that defensive prowess. Buccaneers and Steelers. I just don't feel the Steelers are in any shape to, you know, to beat anybody. But I'm not impressed with this Buccaneers team. They found a way to get the win against Atlanta. They got a gift call on the sack late. But they took their foot off the pedal when they were up 21-0. And Atlanta stormed back, made it 21-15. Not saying they're going to get the win even if they don't make that call as far as on the sack of Brady. Uh, but still, they do get inside the number. What about the Steelers? Can they stay inside the number? Because Mike Tomlin under a lot of pressure now. And it doesn't matter if it's Pickett, who they'll go with, or Trubisky. But, you know, this offense just having all types of trouble to find ways to score. Well, Kenny, we often say the number makes the game. And you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers here after that devastating loss they had last week, the worst loss of Mike Tomlin's career. You have to expect this football team to bounce back and at least show themselves or show better this particular week against Tampa Bay. In my database, real simple, college or make that NFL home dogs that are home off a loss of 24 or more points their last football game. They beat the spread 57% of the time on over 400 plays going back to 1980. That's an awesome stat, which comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. On the flip side, what have you got in Tampa Bay? 
You've got a team that was encamped at home for three straight road or home games. Now they're going to take out onto the road after a three-game homestand and lay points into a non-division opponent. Pittsburgh will take Tampa Bay right down to the wire in this game, some way, somehow. We can't see who's going to do it, who's going to get the job done here, but look for Pittsburgh to rebound and play a lot better football game this week. I just had a feeling you may go that way. I love your database, man. Just some of the numbers are just phenomenal. Uh, let's go Jets-Packers because all of a sudden that is a big game because the Jets are playing good, solid football, finding a way to be over 500, five games into the season. That's outstanding. I've got my brother and my sister, both big Jet supporters over the years, and no matter how miserable it's been, they've stuck with that green and white. Now they go to Lambeau Field, of course, the wife hailing from just outside of Madison, so a big Packers fan. Pack minus seven and a half, 45 in Green Bay, you know, finding ways to, you know, get the job done. But at the end of the day, that offense struggling at times. Can the Jets go in there and pull the outright upset or at least stay inside that big number? If this were game one of the football season here, Kenny, Green Bay would have been a double-digit favorite. It's not game one. They're not a double-digit favorite, largely because of the way, uh, the fortunes of the New York Jets this football season and the fact that Green Bay looked flat-out awful last week. I don't know what they ate in the locker room at halftime, but they didn't show up in the second half. They didn't score a single point in the football game. Now you're going to bring return them back to Lambeau Field, where they've been outstanding at Lambeau Field when they're coming off a straight-up favorite loss their previous game. In this role... 30-16-2 to the point spread. That's a nice role for Green Bay to be in here. I think this is a value spot for Green Bay here. This number is cheap because of everything, all the situations and the way the game sets up. I'm going to lean to the Packers in this contest to bounce back. Yeah, it is interesting the way that they've gone to teams coming back from London. They have a home game. So the Saints and Vikings both won their home games last week. Giants will be at home against the Ravens and, of course, the uh, Pack at home against the Jets. What about the Ravens' five-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Giants? Giants at 4-1. and one. I mean, who would have thought that? 45's the total here. They're only lost to Dallas, a team they usually have trouble with. Jersey or in Texas doesn't much matter. But what about this game? Can the Giants possibly go to 5-1? and one? The Ravens come off the two-point victory against Cincinnati, and you were on the Bengals. You said that was a great uh, point spread deal for Cincinnati to take care of business, and they did come up with the, uh, you know, staying inside that three-point number, which was three and a half some places. What about this one? What about the Ravens at the Giants? Kenny, this is a type of football game where if you put tape over the names of the teams, you would you would say for sure the New York Giants would be the favorite in this contest here. This is all name and reputation, Baltimore being favored in this game here. No credit at all to the New York Giants or what it is they've done thus far this football season here. What I like about, also about the Giants in this game is Wink Martindale. Uh, it was was formerly the defensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens, so you now he's with the Giants. He knows this football program real well coming into this contest here. Uh, I'm going to stay at home with the New York Giants in this game. And, you know, an interesting stat we put on the newsletter here that the Giants and the Jets are both over 500 for the first time together since 2015. Kudos to the Giants and the Jets on what they've done thus far this football season here. I think Baltimore is a fraud. They're overrated. I think the Giants pull the rug out on Baltimore on Sunday. How about the Jets and Giants? Seven and three. Unbelievable. Like, who'd have thought that? You could have got some great odds on that if you made that little uh, prediction, prognostication prior to the season. All right, two more games, and we'll get you out of here, Mark, real quick, and they're big ones. Bills and Chiefs from KC. KC holds on, beats the Raiders by a point. I'll get into that game big time, hour number two. A lot of uh, things that happened, uh, not only calls from the officials, but also, you know, just uh, calls from the sidelines on who to do what and when to go where, and, you know, all things have changed with analytics and sabermetrics and all this stuff. I, sometimes I just watch and I just... 
I just don't get it. But uh, Bills and Chiefs, uh, Bills minus 2.5, the total from KC. Who do you like in this one? Because Buffalo, as dominant as can be against Pittsburgh, but they go, you know, now they go to the road against KC. KC staying home after the Monday night game, so the short week not as bad when you stay at home from Arrowhead. Buffalo minus 2.5, Kenny, don't wind me up on these coaches and the way that they coach football today. They overanalyze everything with these analytics they're doing here. It's absolutely sinful. Vince Lombardi would be rolling over in his grave watching them perform the way they're performing this football season here. You took the Raiders last week with Josh McDaniel. He could have kicked the field goal. He doesn't do that, and he loses the game by a point. Look at Kevin Stefanski with what he did with the Cleveland Browns last week. Doesn't He goes for it in his own territory, doesn't make it. Chargers kick a field goal, the Browns lose by two. Go figure. I mean, it, to me, it just it just pulls my, makes me pull my hair out. But let me get back to this game here, Kansas City and Buffalo. Marquee game of the week, maybe of the year, because that's what it was last year when they met in the playoffs at Kansas City in that overtime affair. Just the, probably the best football game I've ever watched, I have to admit that. But remember the game when they played, Kenny? Kansas City was a two-and-a-half-point home favorite in the contest. Now they're a three-point home dog in the contest. It's not like Kansas City's rolled over and died between now and what happened last year. It's because Baltimore is public enemy number one. The public can't get enough of the Buffalo Bills. I should say Buffalo is public enemy number one. They can't get enough of the Buffalo Bills. Remember this stat. This is a great one here. Patrick Mahomes has never lost the spread as a dog in his career in the National Football League. Nine times he's taken points, and nine times he's cashed the ticket here. The wrong team, I feel, is favored here. I'll play Kansas City plus the points. Wow, that is great. When you have a perfect stat like that, tough to go against it. And then the Cowboys and Eagles Sunday night football from Philly. Philly minus 642. Fortunate Arizona missed that field goal badly. And, uh, you know, whether Kyler Murray slid a little too early and then there was miscommunication, they didn't know it was third down when they spiked it. I mean, regardless, you still got to make that kick. It's not that far. It was good by, you know, seven, eight yards distance-wise. But when you're five yards wide right, it's not going to help. Uh, your take on this one, Cowboys and Eagles and Cooper Rush, you know what? He's managing the game. We remember Trent Dilfer did that with a great Baltimore defense for years, got him a Super Bowl victory over the Giants. Look, this Cowboys team on defense may not be, you know, as uh, formidable as that Baltimore Ravens squad with Ray Lewis and the boys back then, but this is with Micah Parsons as good a defense as, you know, you'll see all the way around, and now with Nick Bosa going down, Cowboys, to me, maybe the most dangerous defense. They're in Philly, still like the way the Eagles play. Sometimes they just seem to, uh, you know, get a little complacent in the second half when they built a nice halftime lead. They did that again against Arizona. Eagles minus 642, the total from Philly. The NFC East, Kenny, last year they were the NFC least because at this time of the football season last year, they were a combined 4-15-1. This year, the NFC East coming in this weekend is 14-6. and six. What a turnaround for the division here. Now you've got two teams right at the top of the division going at it toe-to-toe. This will be must-watch football. The Dallas Cowboys come in here on this nice winning run. They just upended the Rams. And I'm going to point this out here, that teams who do upend the Super Bowl champion from the previous season as an underdog and then take on a division opponent the next game, go check out the awesome angle on this week's Playbook Newsletter. It will knock your socks off. I'm going to stay at home with the Philadelphia Eagles in this contest here. I think they're playing really solid football right now. They've done nothing at all to warrant, uh, to, you know, and they're favored in the football game, but the price is right for them in this contest here. I'm going to lay the points with Philadelphia against Dallas. The better team wins the game. And by the way, Kenny, these two teams lead the league 
in turnovers, ranked number one and number two in net turnover margin here. So keep that in mind. Whichever team turns the ball over more in this football game will likely lose the game. There you go. Great stuff. All right, let everybody know how they can get that bonus coffee club when they get some plays and newsletters and all that good stuff from Mark Lawrence and Playbook Sports. Everything we do, Kenny, online, playbooksports.com. Our weekly newsletters, the playbook, the midweek alert, our totals tip sheet, and you subscribe to any of the publications or my services. The Coffee Club is a free no-charge bonus from me to you. It's in your inbox each and every morning from now until the Super Bowl. Check it out all online at playbooksports.com. Same bad time, same bad channel next Wednesday, Mr. Lawrence. Great stuff as always. What a time of year with the NHL starting up, NBA right around the corner, college hoops. you got to be kidding me. Major League Baseball playoffs going strong now. There is no time off for us, Mark. You have to just uh, keep your head on a swivel because things change and they keep on going. And uh, we enjoy what we do, and I enjoy you on Wednesday nights. Thanks, Mark. Hey, my pleasure, as always. Can he be well? Stay safe. Love you, man. There you go. Great stuff from Mark Lawrence. Take a break. First segment in the books. Come back with Mr. Superbook himself. That's right, my good pal, Art Dice 21. Arthur DeCesar, supervisor in risk management over there at the beautiful Westgate Superbook, will join me. We'll go over a lot of baseball, college football, NFL, all that good stuff. Also, the Vegas Golden Knights got in action last night, so lots going on at that Superbook. We are live from Vegas. Do not forget the Mark Hoke Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You like professional wrestling? You will love the Mark Hoke Show. Mark's not working the board, though, tonight. It's Tyler taking care of business in a big way. We are live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Come on down, say hello. 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. You miss any part of the show, archives go up by 11 o'clock Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Do not miss them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Facebook. Live from Vegas, I'm Ken Thompson. We'll be right back. Stick figure bringing me back to Friday night, downtown event center here in Vegas. Great reggae all weekend long. Little revolution, little iration on Saturday. Slightly stupid, which Mark Ho can relate to that group on Sunday. And uh, Tyler actually running the show here on a Wednesday night. Fish Tank, Andrew Fishfane, Mark Hoke on Monday night, outstanding. Thomas TV at work, Viola, incredible with the uh, pair of Jason Halpern and Christy Maria last night. So the threesome were outstanding as well. When people fill in on SportsX Radio, you get the best. You know, KT then has a, a tough act to follow. So that's why I bring in guys like Mark Lawrence and, of course, my good pal Art Dice. Art Dice 21, you can follow him on Twitter, Arthur DeCesar, the Connecticut kid. His Yankees up one game to none on the Guardians. What about it? This Guardians team, they beat Tampa... They only scored three runs, but they only gave up one. They only get one in the first game. Boy, I don't know if Cleveland can score enough runs to win any of these games. They're not hitting right now, relying on one big bat. Talk to me, Art Dice, because I want these Yankees to win the series. My Mets with a quick exit. So, you know, I've got that future ticket at 6-1 to one over there from the Westgate on your uh, Bronx Bombers. I know they got Garrett Cole in the 4-1 win. How do you feel with this team? And, of course, the Astros finding a way to pull it out. My goodness, they looked like, for all intents and purposes, the Mariners would have that 1-0 lead. But got to give credit where credit's due. And uh, 
Alvarez going deep with that three-run bomb to win that game. But talk to me about your Yankees. And, again, great to have you live at the Superbook on a Wednesday night. Yeah, KT, you know I'm pulling for your 6-1 to ticket because that means my team wins the World Series. Game one was crucial for the Yankees. I think there's a lot of things. There's a lot of expectations on this team. They are better than the Guardians. I understand the Guardians won their division. They're a spunky little team, not a lot of offense, good pitching. But it was a big game for Cole. He has been spotty at best since he's been a Yankee in the playoffs. But now, if you really look at it, I know the Guardians can't score, but the pitching now flips to favor Cleveland. Bieber against Cortez. You look at McKenzie, you know, going in game three for the Guardians. It's going to be better starting pitching for them, and I still think their bullpen is better than our bullpen. But if the Guardians can't score, it's going to be tough. Obviously, the crowd is into it for the Yankees, and... I think we're going to get a great game tomorrow. And really, you know, both of these AL games, the underdog took money. You know, the underdog took money with Seattle and the underdog took money with the Guardians. So I think betters are thinking these could be long series and team with their back against the wall is going to come out and play hard. That's why you've seen underdog money come in. Yeah, and Castillo's pitched very well for Seattle. Valdez has been underrated, but he's a minus 147 at the Westgate 7. The total shaded to the under minus 120. And then, you know, Cortez taking care of business. My sister says, I love nasty Nestor. Okay, so uh, (laughs) minus 132, six and a half the total. Also shaded to the under minus 120. Bieber's been solid, too, for Cleveland. What a job by the uh, Terry Francona-led Guardians. I mean, this is a team that was nip and tuck with both the Pale Hose and the Twins and then just really took off in September. So no pressure on this team. They've already exceeded expectations. But if they're going to hang in this series, they've got to win that game. And Shane Bieber's been pretty good. He absolutely has. And that's my thing. That, you know, my fear with seeing Guardians in this next round was outside of Cole, they're going to have the advantage basically across the board in the pitching. Obviously, we're going to have the home field advantage. We're going to have the offensive advantage. And they also have the advantage as far as the manager goes. Francona is a better big game manager than Aaron Boone. It's just the reality of the situation. So, listen, it's nice to get game one. You never want to just say, okay, it's over. I still think, you know, we'll get a four or five, four or five game series out of here. I don't think we will sweep the Guardians. I think they're spunky. And when you go to the other series, the Mariners went and got Castillo for this reason. This is why they got this guy. Yeah, it's tough to pick yourselves up when you should be up 1-0. You know, but they got to do it. It's, I think it's a young team. It's a resilient team. I think they'll find a way. And you really are as good as your next day starter. And they're giving the ball to probably their best starting pitcher. So the Mariners are not out of this thing. All right. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers get a two-out single, and uh, they trail the Padres five to three. Uh, that is in the bottom half of the eighth inning. There are two outs now and a tying run coming to the play, and I think Melvin's going to make a pitching move. But Atlanta and Philly all even up after Atlanta gets a 3 nothing shutout win to even that series. Uh, if the Dodgers lose this game, that'll be fun going to Petco tied at one because the Dodgers have just owned the Padres. But, you know, you still have uh, Blake Snell and Musgrove going at Petco. Could be, I mean, the Dodgers, 111 wins. They could be feeling it. My uh, niece texting me going, if they lose this game, it's over, Uncle Kenny. I'm like, I go, relax. I go, there's going to be 45% Dodger fans at Petco. And that's maybe underestimating it. Uh, your take on Atlanta Philly. What is the readjusted series price? I'm interested in that because I want to play Philly, but 
but it's hard to go against Atlanta. But I just have I, – I don't know why I just have a feeling that the Phillies are going to win both games at home. Yeah, so, you know, we haven't put it up yet, but it will probably be – readjusted in the 150 to 160 range for Atlanta now. Um, you know, th- this series is obviously flip-flop. Atlanta was basically opened as a minus 200 favorite. When they lost game one, Phillies were a minus 135 favorite. So this is kind of in a zigzag of the prices. Once again, once again, it is not official yet what we've put up. But like I said, KT, we'll probably be in the range of Braves minus 150 to minus 160. What about the Padres if they win this game and even things up going back to San Diego? Yeah, that, that's a great question. That's a tougher one. Obviously, you have to take into consideration how big a favorite the Dodgers were. They were basically minus 240, minus 160 to open the series. Going into tonight, they were minus 450. You know, they'll still be a favorite because they have to be because of the Dodgers and because we always take Dodger money. And like you said, they own the Padres. So they'll probably be in that range as well. You know, a minus 150, minus 160. And it wouldn't even shock me if it was a little bit higher because we have to shade towards all the Dodger money we will take. Maybe you see a, see a minus 180. All right. So hockey started last night. The Rangers beat Tampa Bay 3-1. to one. Let's uh, make sure we get one of those. Uh, clinching victories in the postseason, not just the regular season, but they found a way to get it done at home. And then the uh, Golden Knights, very exciting win against the L.A. Kings, a game that went back and forth, a lot of fun in that one. Uh, Goaltending-wise, we know that's going to be a question mark for the Golden Knights. Future-wise, what type of money did people here in the Vegas Valley put on the Golden Knights? Because there's a lot of big supporters, and you know when Leonard went down, you just wondered what they were going to do. Logan Thompson's got to be the answer. Look, they'll probably outscore a ton of teams in a lot of these games. What what are we looking at as far as uh, odds, future odds there on the Golden Knights and what type of exposure? Uh, probably not the same in years past because the goaltending is such a question mark. You, you hit all of the marks, KT. You know, the Knights are always going to take money because they're the home team. This is an incredible fan base that has been built out here. But, you know, the Knights outside of year one where they were an expansive team and basically a million to one to win the Stanley Cup, they're further down the board this year. You know, these last couple of years, they've been right at the top of the board, you know, either one, two, or three on our list. They're sitting, we opened up, and it obviously hasn't moved after one game, 16-1 to one to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, over these last couple of years, this is about the best price you're going to get on the Knights. I'm with you. Offensively, they're going to be great. They're going to score a lot of goals. Defense is still a question mark. Thompson could obviously fill that in in the in the pipes, and you know who knows, maybe he ends up having a really good year. But obviously, the division's tough. Teams in front of them, and you know the Kings are a good team. But you know you throw teams like Calgary, you throw teams like the Oilers in there. There's a couple of really good teams in that division. We're always going to have exposure to the Knights, but there are other teams that we have bigger exposure on this year because I think a lot of people felt maybe this wouldn't be a big time night year. All right, uh, college football, some great games coming up. I mean, again, we don't know on the Bryce Young situation. If he goes, I think they you know, definitely have a great chance to continue their mastery over Tennessee. But if he does not, I want to be all over the volunteers. What type of line movement do you think we find if, that, if, if it becomes a certainty that Bryce Young is not going to play? Would you see that game going down maybe to four and a half, five, somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah, and, you know, right now, KT, we're obviously sitting Bama minus seven, seven-point seven road favorite at Tennessee. 
Yeah, I mean, it will move a couple of points. It's still Alabama, though. You know, you can't get too crazy. I understand Bryce Young is a Heisman Trophy winner, a Heisman Trophy candidate this year, top pick in the NFL draft. But Alabama still has players, even if it's a backup quarterback. Tennessee, though, I'll give you all the credit in the world. You were telling me about Hendon Hooker and this team in July. So I know how you feel about Tennessee. So I feel like you'll probably be on the balls. The balls, I could see that. This is a weird game. It's a game that really, I think because of the injury concerns, hasn't taken a lot of money yet, which is surprising because it's basically a top five matchup and one of the marquee games of the weekend. Total sitting at 65 and a half, obviously with Bryce Young's news. And when we know more, there will be adjustments. All right. What's your take on TCU, Okie State? Right around, uh, I think you guys had it at four, TCU the favorite. Look, Duggan has exceeded expectations, started out as the backup behind Morris, who went down. Uh, and they're fortunate. I, you never want to say a team's fortunate to lose a starter. Uh, but really, with the way Duggan's played, they're very fortunate. And I think they're a better offensive team than Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma State's always a, a, a team that finds ways to win. Gundy just, even when he gets outstatted, uh, and he was outstatted in the last game against Texas Tech, 527 to 434 total yards. But, you know, got the only turnover that mattered. And, uh, you know, Spencer Sanders is pretty good. It's going to be a fun game from Fort Worth. Okie State and TCU. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, you know, go figure this Big 12. I don't know how you figure out this Big 12. And, you know, Oklahoma State sitting there 5-0. and Obviously, TCU's 5-0 and as well. These teams are both ranked in the top 15. Oklahoma State's in the top 10. Now, Oklahoma has Texas next week. I mean, I'm not saying it's a look-ahead spot or anything, but to me, the only way to bet the Big 12 is to take the home team. So, to me, I'd lay the points for TCU. It's tough to really feel comfortable with any of these Big 12 teams on the road. All right, Dodgers first and second two outs. Again, 5-3 Padres, bottom eight from L.A. Clemson, Florida State uh, was three and a half, four right around there uh, with Clemson being favored. I think three and a half was the last I saw over there at the Superbook. Your take on this one, FSU, you know, had a nice little 14-point lead at halftime, couldn't close it out in, in Raleigh against NC State. Boy, I'll tell you, it'd be a big feather in the cap there for Norvell if he could get this win here. Uh, your take with Clemson going in there to Tallahassee. Yeah, Clemson minus three and a half, total of 51. Florida State really blew that game last week. You know, obviously the program, which has been a power for basically 30 years and has seen some little, you know, downturns here since Jimbo left. Yeah, it would have been a big win, and then they would have had Clemson coming in. It would have been even a bigger game if they would have beaten NC State. But uh, I don't know. It's tough to go against Clemson. I know they are challenged offensively, but they're so good defensively. You just feel they'll find a way to squeeze Florida State, and they have owned Florida State basically over the last decade here. I don't care if they're going in the Dope Campbell. I think Clemson, with the short number, wins and covers. All right, what about Southern Cal? They're undefeated. Look, Utah, I talked about it at nauseum with my audience when Brant Keithy went down. That that was such a major blow to Utah, and people looked and go, oh, that's a tight end, KT. What are you worried about? No, it's a, a great receiving tight end, a great blocking tight end, an NFL-type tight end that is the heart and soul of that team on the offensive side of the ball. Look, Cam Rising does what he does. The running game's pretty good with Bernard and those guys. I mean, but at the end of the day, Keithy was the glue to that offense because he was that toughness, that grit that he's got, and they miss him big time. Psychologically, they miss him, but they miss him on the field, and they went in and they got just beat up by UCLA, not physically, but speed-wise, they were exposed. And UCLA's done that back-to-back now at home against Washington and Utah. Now USC, you know, maybe not as uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what to say with USC. I mean, Caleb Williams and Travis Dye is a nice combination. And then Addison and Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, those guys, you know, good, solid offense. But the defense is underrated. I don't feel that Utah is the same physical Utah team that we've seen over the last five, six years from Whittington. They did not even control the line of scrimmage against Oregon State after Oregon State lost that tough game in Corvallis. I know the scoreboard said 42-16, but go back and watch that game. That game was right there for the taking for the Beavs. They just screwed it up big time like they usually do with turning it over with interceptions. USC at Utah. Initially, I was going to be all in on Utah, but I'm going to look at USC. What about it on this one? I'd probably stay away because I don't want to be a homer, uh, but I just don't feel strong with my opinion as far as Rice Eccles and Utah going into this game like I was maybe about four weeks ago. Really tough game to figure. Obviously, biggest game for USC so far. I know the Oregon State game was a big game, but, you know, this is another one. And if USC wants to have some sort of big season and make the Final Four, this is going to be a part of it. This is a real split game. You know, the pro betters are going to be happy to lay the short price with Utah figuring that USC will trip up will trip up at some point and the public is happy to take USC they're happy to take the plus three and a half they're happy to take the plus 140 on the money line so this is the old pros versus Joe's divide all right real quick DA do you have a line by chance on North Dakota State and South Dakota State Uh, my Mark Hoke of course uh, my producer graduating North Dakota State and South Dakota State's number three in the country. Montana's number two in between the two of them. I just didn't know because they put up some lines before in North Dakota State football. They did against Arizona in that tough game down in Tucson, which was a great one. Uh, So I know when they go against an FBS opponent, they'll have it. But I didn't know uh, if that will come out over there uh, for Saturday because that's going to be one heck of a game. Dice man, real quick, let me jump over to uh, the NFL and just get your take on that Sunday night game with Philly at home against Dallas. Minus six, Eagles at home. We'll go rapid fire real quick, get a few of these NFL big games in. Yeah, the Sunday night game, big game in the NFC East. Philly has been taking money. We're at six now. The Eagles are going to be a very public and very sharp team, all Eagle money. All Eagle money. Okay, I, I can agree with it. I mean, I definitely want to be on it as long I, – I mean, I, I think you get it now because you do not want it to go to seven, uh, get it under a touchdown. I, I agree with the money going there on the Eagles. Uh, your take on Kansas City at home, very fortunate to beat the Raiders, but they got it done. They find a way to win. Mark Lawrence giving me the great stat that Kansas City Mahomes is 9-0 and all time as an underdog, and they are underdogs. My, uh, they're plus two and a half at home against Buffalo. Yeah, Mahomes is a wonderful underdog. I saw a similar stat. Uh, this is obviously going to be one of the best games of the weekend, one of the most heavily bet games of the year. It was basically Bills minus three all week. We have now moved off of the three. A lot of KC money, Bills minus two and a half right now. There you go, boy. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let me move on to how about Cardinals Seahawks? Because I like the way Geno Smith's playing. I never thought I'd say that in my life, but the cards are actually minus three, even money, 50 and a half the total. I could see this game going over the total, the way Seattle's moving that ball up and down the field. But I think Seattle could be the right side. But I've been burned before by the Cardinals, and uh, they were right there with the Eagles. Just missed that field goal to put it into OT. Where are you on this one? Yeah, heartbreaking loss for the Cardinals. Total is the juicy one. I agree, 50 and a half. Seahawks play no defense. Arizona obviously can go up and down the field. And Seattle could probably score in Arizona. Over is probably the move. Seattle plus three minus the 120 goes to show you we don't want to move off the three and go to the three and a half. Pretty split action on this. 
Hard to go against Seattle when they're at home. All right, you're one of those Jets fans. i got to duck this one in before I let you go. Jets are there at Lambeau Field, plus 7.5, 45 the total. Is your money on the green and white? Uh, the Jets are frisky. They are a frisky team. Seven and a half is a lot of points. You're over the key number. Green Bay has been very spotty. I like the Jet coach. I like some of their playmakers. I think they can stay within the number. Dice man, give me a game for the listeners out there. College, pro, I don't care what it is. What's your favorite game on the gridiron this weekend? A little bit shocking, but I'll take Miami plus three at home against the Vikings. I don't care if they have a third string quarterback. I don't like Miami. I don't like Minnesota on the road. Miami still has a lot of weapons. I'll take Miami plus three at home. There you go. And Skylar Thompson will get the start for the Dolphins. Dice man, you're the best at Art Dice 21 Superbook. You still got all those great specials going on. I'll get into all that stuff. Dice man, we'll do it again next Wednesday. Got to get you into Steiner soon. Hour number one is in the books. Thanks to Tyler back at the studio. Chuck Hayes going to join me. Hour number two going to talk a lot of NFL and college football. We'll keep things rocking and rolling right here live from Steiner's 101.5 on that FM side 720 on the AM side remember you miss any part of the show the archives up by 11 o'clock live from Vegas live at Steiner's pub I'm Ken Thompson you're listening to SportsX radio we're halfway home we'll be right back welcome back from halftime it's just after nine o'clock in the big city time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show SportsX radio with Ken Thompson <laughs> yeah what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan to day for peace of mind visit pdcenterlv.com rob ritchie farmers insurance 702-335-5744 702-335-5744 laborers union 872 the builders of allegiant stadium and the las vegas ballpark home of the aviators promodirect.com use k-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. All right, KT live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. Great gaming, you know that. Going to get with Chuck Hayes in just a couple minutes. Chuck will be with me the rest of hour number two. Uh, we go unplugged for about 45 minutes, and we get into it big time. We'll get into USC football. How about UCLA? My goodness, man, the Bruins flexing their muscles. Then we get into the Rams. What's going on there? Just tweet it out. Are the defending Super Bowl champions in trouble? What about the Chargers? Do they go to 4-2? and two? on Monday night when they play that home game against Denver. We'll get all those answers and more from Chuck Hayes in just a little bit. But you know here in the Vegas Valley, we've got three Steiner's pub locations, and KT's always out here, 1750 North Buffalo. Now, all three are set up similarly. Uh, You can go and check them out as far as all the great TV angles. Uh, Right now, they're all decorated, of course, with Halloween festivities and just really 
top-of-the-line stuff. I mean, they, you could see when you come in, I mean, just to put together all the different things they've got going on throughout the entire bar at all three locations had to take hours and hours of teamwork and they've got that here they got great service at all three steiners pub locations what they don't have on tap they've got in the bottle food 24 hours a day and i'm not talking bar food like i told you, you get lamb chop appetizer you've got chicken piccato on the angel hair pasta you've got salmon you've got steak whatever you want they've got great salads great quesadillas you name it they've got it breakfast Excellent. I mean, and that's the whole thing. 24 hours a day, you can get whatever you want at the Steiner's Pub locations. Three in the Vegas Valley. Again, 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South right there at Windmill. 8410 West Cheyenne. That's the original now in their 25th year. And, of course, 1750 North Buffalo. Hashtag, I love this place, and I do. Also, real quick before we get going, I love the Preventative Diagnostic Center because if you fall in that demographic between 40 and 72, well, you're fortunate because we have the only scanner of its kind in the region. Gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart and lung disease, cancer. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center, pdcenterlv.com, under the careful watch of Dr. John Pierce, who does a great job here in the Vegas Valley. Call the PD Center now. Schedule that free educational consultation. You let them know Ken Thompson Sports X Radio sent you. You got the 702 down for Vegas already, so it's 534-7900, 534-7900, 534-7900. Give a call. Comfortable scan takes just a few minutes, and then you get a detailed report a few days later from a board-certified radiologist. The heart CT scan calcium score special continues to rock and roll. That's right. It's a $600 value. Cost you $125. Better than that, your significant other, absolutely free. So the $1,200 value total, $125. Guys, make sure that Widowmaker's not clogging up. None of those arteries are in bad shape. KT had one of the arteries that had 2% blockage. The other three were in great shape. So I was in, uh, I think that's what it is. I think there's four. I'm not the best as far as that goes. Anatomy, forget about it. Chuck Hayes, we'll have to get the answers from Chuck when he comes and joins us. But 534-7900, you want to check out the scanner, pdcenterlv.com. And last thing before I bring Chuck on board, have all those games rocking and rolling. Had one college game, UL Lafayette Raging Cages winning Marshall 23-13, to a win and a cover. Why? Because they were 10.5-point underdogs. They win it by 10, 45 the total game stays under. Meanwhile, exhibition basketball, if you bet on that, uh, you need more help than I do. Uh, no, I, I'm sure a lot of you may have some inside info or you get some good angles, just like, you know, preseason football. And if you have an advantage... Go ahead and play it. I got no problem with it. Uh, baseball, Atlanta evened up their series with Philly 3-0. The shutout, Kyle Wright getting a little bit of help there from the offense, finally waking up with a three-run six. That's it. That's the only runs of that game. Zach Wheeler got no support in that game. Pitched pretty well himself. Meanwhile, uh, Darvish and the Padres are one out away. Uh, Dodgers have the tying run at the plate with Will Smith and a man on second. So it is 5-3. I think that's Freddie Freeman on second. So it's 5-3 Padres. A win tonight by the Padres. Evens the series up. And then you get Snell and uh, Musgrove back at Petco. Hey, Friars might have a fighting chance after all. Uh, Darvish and Clayton Kershaw, the starters in that one. And then on the ice, three games going right now. 4-2 Colorado, 12-12 to go. Third period, defending Stanley Cup champions, doubling up on the Chicago Blackhawks. Vancouver at an early 3-1 lead. It's tied at three now after two. Up in Alberta against 
Edmonton's Oilers in Seattle. How about that? A 4-2 lead in Orange County over the Anaheim Ducks. 14-51 to go third period there. The other three games final. Carolina skates past Columbus 4-1 at home. Boston a 5-2 win in Washington over the Capitals and a 4-3 win for Montreal over Toronto. And those Maple Leafs just have more trouble with the old Habs. But that is it as far as on the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Keep an eye on this uh, Dodger game. I'll let you know when it's final. Again, 5-3 Padres. 3-2 and two count now on Smith with two outs. And the tying run out to play with Freddie Freeman on second base. But we welcome in our good pal Chuck Hayes. Chuck does a great job, of course, with Coach Harvey Hyde on the USC Trojan Report. And I'm telling you, man, it's going to be fun Saturday. And, Chuck, I'm telling you, I was so headstrong on thinking that Utah is going to take care of business in this game. And I'm not not that they can't because they still can but I'm not convinced that this is the same team without Brand Keithy. I mean, I, I don't even think it's close on offense. I just feel like they're missing that grit. They're missing, and it is over as Hayter gets the final out. Uh, Smith flies out deep. Uh, Padres win at 5-3. But I, I just don't feel like this Utah team has the glue that has kept that offense together. When you get a guy like Brand Keithy that goes down, I mean, you feel it, not just on the receiving end of those passes, but on the blocking end. He's a pretty good blocker. I mean, just the the grit that that guy displays takes something away. It's almost like he was like a mirror on the field of the type of personality that his head coach Kyle Whittingham has. T- give me a breakdown on, on that loss, how key that is for Utah. First off, Chuck Hayes, always great having you SportsX Radio on Wednesday nights. Well, Ken, good to be with you, and I love how you uh, you talk about that that player because there are certain guys that when the football goes, it goes to a certain area on the field, and that's money, and then you build off from that, and that's one of the things that's coaching, and you have to overcome that. And you know, Utah for whatever reason, uh, they stumbled a couple of years ago with their quarterback play; they just could never figure it out. But uh, right now, uh, they have come off a tough loss in the Rose Bowl. It was a, uh, a UCLA opportunity. You know, it's maybe we're fooled a little bit. They lose by three on the road to uh, Florida. They blow Southern Utah out. They blow San Diego State out. They get Arizona State the right time. They blow them out. Oregon State, probably a, the best, you know, matchup uh, that we've seen in the Pac-12, and then they come down to the Rose and they lose 42-32. And uh, when you have that type of um, roller coaster season, you have to get emotionally right to be able to uh, to play each football game. Now, coming home, they're going to be in a great way. Uh, USC uh, reminds me a lot of a team that 1985, after I left SC, I was at Glendale College, and we had probably 28 to 32 players go to Division One. We had five JC All-Americans first team. But every week I would watch on film, and we would be just a little bit better because we had more talent. We would make mistakes. We'd get a bad penalty. We'd do this or that. And that's what SC reminds me of a little bit. And this, if it was going to come to a week – when that type of issue was going to raise its head, it's going to be this week in Salt Lake. First of all, the environment of playing there, you know, it's going to be sold out. Uh, SC uh, on the road against Corvallis, uh, against Oregon State, struggled in half of the stadium. 
So how are they going to be able to handle that crowd in Salt Lake on Saturday night? And that's going to give Utah a lot of momentum because if they start having trouble at the line of scrimmage and they get a play here that's a delay game or they get a false start or that kind of thing, it's just going to raise the bar in regards to what Utah's defense is going to be like. So I maybe don't see this as a high-scoring game, and I think that always benefits Utah. Yeah, it's going to be a, a good game. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I watched the uh, the Utah-Oregon State game, and I was like, okay, Oregon State, the way that they could not close out USC, the way they lost that game had to be just so depressing. And, you know, and, and, and it's hard to get back up and, and practice. Then you go, okay, well, if we go to Salt Lake, we take care of business. We're still in this thing. And their quarterback goes down, you know, a couple interceptions, and, you know, that, that was their problem against USC. And the same thing reared its ugly head. But in the trenches, they held their own and then some against Utah. And usually at Rice-Eccles Stadium, when Witt has his solid teams like he's had over the last five, seven, eight years, they physically beat you up. And they beat you up even more so when they get you up there in Salt Lake City. But I didn't see it. And the Beavs were right there. So that score is so deceiving, 42-16, to because the game is right there in the second half for the taking, but the Beavs couldn't close it out. That's why I got on UCLA. It was a combination of UCLA showing their speed and their toughness, which I think is is more gritty than I think a lot of us thought because we're taking the Bruins for granted, thinking that it's Chip Kelly and it's just a finesse team that's going to be able to score some points. But I think this team's more physical, and they showed it against Washington. And that score, 40-32, to 32, is deceiving because it's 40-16 to 16 going to the fourth quarter. They were in total control. So I came back and I took UCLA against Utah, and I felt so confident watching them. I, I was like... There's no way Utah's winning this game. I just never felt like Utah had enough to do it. And, and I'm telling you, Brant, Keithy, to me, is just a major loss from that team. It's almost like when the Bosa boys go down for, uh, you know, the Chargers and now Nick Bosa going down for San Francisco, when those guys go out, you just feel like there's not the same swag, the same confidence that these teams have when they go on the field. And I feel the same way with Keithy being out of that lineup for Utah. So I think USC is going to win the game. I think it's going to be close. I think USC's not as good as their record. Uh, again, I, I really think they should have lost in Corvallis. And again, they were able to, you know, get the uh, the Bush push uh, two and a half yards for Caleb Williams uh, to get that first down, kept the drive alive, but they found a way to close it out. And look, again, that's legal in college football right now. You stay upright, your team can, you know, pile drive you basically as long as you keep that knee up. You know, I mean, uh, too bad Josh Jacobs didn't keep his knee up on the two-point conversion or the Raiders might have had that second win from Monday night. But what's your take on Utah this team compared to maybe some of the teams in years past for Wit and at home, and I'm not saying that it'll sh- it'll stun me that if Utah goes in there, you know, into the game and beats SC by double digits, it won't shock me because I know emotionally, you know, they're they're going to be up for the game. But I really think the loss there in Pasadena was one that blindsided them, and I'm sure Wit's just like, hey, whatever you do, don't look ahead. We got USC next week, but right now we got to take care of this UCLA team that just beat Washington, and they couldn't do it. And I thought they, you know, I thought UCLA was in total control. Well, I have some experience with Utah. I was uh, with them the entire week in San Francisco for the Emerald Bowl when uh, they played Georgia Tech, and that was going back in the day a little bit, KT. That's what Calvin Johnson was the receiver of uh, the day 
for uh, for the the Tech uh, Ramblin Wreck and Eric Weddle was the defensive MVP for Utah. And of course, uh, he shut down Calvin Johnson that day. Two catches for 13 yards. Yes, Calvin Johnson in a college football game. Two catches for 13 yards. So when Winningham looked at the stat sheet. And he looked and he saw Zach Charbonnet had 22 carries for 198 yards. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson was 18 of 23 for 299. So basically you're looking at almost 500 yards of total offense from two players. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Thompson-Robinson has uh, guys catching the ball, but still. Those are not numbers that come out of Kyle Whittingham's uh, defense uh, that that's not normally the way it goes. You know, normally they run that three-five-three that Rocky Long established in uh, in New Mexico, and really gives players and teams havoc. And uh, that's got to change, um, rising through thirty-two times. I think that's about ten more than they would be comfortable with, probably because they were behind. But when I watch SC struggle against Washington State, and Washington State can. Like Oregon State, they shot themselves in the foot multiple times. Personal fouls, going offside on third down when they had to stop, uh, just not making the right plays. Uh, SC was able to stay on the field, and SC got confidence. And again, uh, the quarterback at, at Washington State was not ready for prime time. Just flat out, he wasn't ready to go. He didn't run well enough. He didn't make decisions on the pass pass offense that normally you would see from Washington State. So what does that mean for Utah and USC? A heavy dose of Travis Dye. Uh, he was the guy. He's the straw that stirs the drink. That's what I, I think when I see him. Other than Caleb Williams, he's the MVP of this team. Now, Washington State did lay some licks on the SC receivers. Uh, Addison got major, major attention and physical with him and roughed him up. And uh, he had a little banged up knee. He went out for a little bit. He came back later on. But they're going into a place where they're going to have to run the ball. And SC has not shown a lot of play-action pass. They've not shown a lot of bootleg. And Caleb Williams is taking many more hits than he has earlier in the year. And it's something that I think defensively they will look at at Utah and they will attack, attack, attack. So if you're Lincoln Riley, you got to get your screen game working. you got to get the ball to the middle field of the tight ends, and then you hit the home run and, and, and go from there. So I don't think Utah is going to be intimidated. I just know that this week has been about defense uh, for Whittingham because those numbers, when you look at those, they just jump off the – off the stat sheet and say, we can't allow this. We can't win. You can't win if you get, let one back rush for 200 yards and then the quarterback run for 300 and four touchdowns, a throw for 300 and four touchdowns. That's just not going to play. Yeah, I agree with you. And realistically for USC, I mean, if you look at the statistics against Wazoo, you're not really that impressed. I mean, Caleb Williams, 188, two touchdowns, clean sheet, no interceptions. That's key. Can't turn the ball over. And Travis Dye, like you said, he's a workhorse. 28 carries, 149, got a touchdown. But Caleb Williams, 9 for 34. He's going to have to be careful in the way that he runs because we've seen him, especially in the Oregon State game, to where he you know, gets to the sideline, and you talked about it, and gets a little cute there, getting that extra yard, and then tiptoeing and then jumping out of bounds. He'll get tattooed by somebody there, and they'll probably, Witt will be okay 
even taking a 15-yarder there if it's something that's, you know, right there, right on the fine line. In other words, where you're like, okay, this guy's being a little bit too cute. Let's put him on his wallet and uh, let him think about that the rest of the game. Because we know Utah's always been a physical team, and when they're at Rice-Eccles, they can elevate play. I, again, I just I, I didn't see it in the Oregon State game, and then I really saw a team that, to me, was just – their heads weren't in the game at the UCLA game for 60 minutes like you're used to seeing a Whittingham team, uh, you know, focused and dialed in. They weren't there. But they still have Tavion Thomas. And Micah Bernard's pretty good as well as a 1A. And Cam Rising, he can mix it up. So you get those three guys running the ball, they are going to be dangerous. And then Vele, Kincaid, the Vegas kid, we know he's pretty good. Money Parks needs to step up. Uh, Vele's, though, a, a good, solid receiver. You can see this guy in the making. And they've got players uh, Hubert and Fillinger and some of these guys on defense that are pretty good. For SC, uh, talk to me about the defense because Tuli, Tui Peloto, I mean, that guy is a beast. They've got some playmakers. Gentry, we talked about him, the lanky um, linebacker that's uh, you know from Philadelphia. But SC's got to step up and they've got to make some big-time plays and probably have to win a turnover battle to get that road victory or at least keep it to where you know both teams you know are, are even up as far as turnovers. They cannot lose a turnover battle up there or they will not win. Well, Cameron Rising is going to be the, the, the key. He's a veteran quarterback and what he does offensively and how they run. Now, uh, Shane Lee, the linebacker, uh, did not dress last week. He had a cast on his left hand. I don't think he'll be ready to go this week. So that meant that uh, Raylan Goforth, along with Eric Gentry, were the middle backers. The secondary had a little uh, issue because Bullock got called for targeting, said bring Anthony Beavers in, and uh, he's a hitter, but they struggled. But again, uh, Nick Figueroa, along with Brandon Peely and Corey Foreman and Tooley and Stanley, they got some guys, and they run them in. They run them in, and they run them out, and they're going to need to. And it's going to be one of those games where it's going to go big on big. And the thing with Tooley, you can't run away from him. You have to run at him. And so that means they got to get great linebacker play, and the guy's got to come down from the, from the ends and tackles to be able to, to shut that run down. Because if you run away from him, he'll get you. You know, he's uh, he's very quick. He's deceiving. His strength is super, and uh, he's fun to watch. He plays with a lot of enthusiasm. So that's the defensive side. They, you know, Bullock will be back. Uh, Max Williams at a corner. Uh, Sayer Wright. Uh, you know, they're they're getting it done defensively. They're they're growing. You can feel it. You can see it. You know, you see the confidence there. Now, uh, what kind of package will we see? From Utah, you know, run the ball, bootleg pass, do the things to take the pressure off the quarterback so that, you know, he doesn't have to throw the ball 32 times. And, again, if you can run the ball effectively, you can control the clock, play defense, and have great kicking game, that's the key to victory against SC. You do not want to get in a track meet with them because you've seen it before. Uh, if they get in, in one of those scoring matches, SC is you know explosive, and uh, Caleb starts making plays and and having having success. Uh, they got a lot of players, but some you know again they've not had a great production other than Addison and um, again Mario Williams. Uh, Taj Washington has been a little bit okay. He's not really you know breaking it down the field. 
um, you're going to see more and more of this. So that's that's what you got to look for. You got to you got to know that Whittingham's game plan is to be physical with Caleb Williams, uh, contain Travis Dye, uh, get in third and long, and uh, get off the field. Okay, so I get it that Travis Dye is the workhorse and he's emerged as the better back from the Pac-12 transfers. But what about Austin Jones? What's up with Austin Jones? Uh, all of a sudden, he he's got nothing going on as far as his role coming over from Stanford. And he's he's got some he's got some potential. I mean, he started out okay. Uh, I'm just surprised that they've gone away from him totally. Yeah, when they brought him in, uh, they had a kind of two back package, and uh, he was there to pass block. Um, and then they didn't really get going until Travis got going, and that's normally the story. You know, he got off uh, against Oregon State early, and they they stopped going to him. So I don't know. I I don't know what the dynamic is. Again, we're not able to go to practice. Uh, you know, that you get the stretchings and then you're out of there. But uh, they've been pretty tight tight lip. I don't know if Austin is uh, is banged up, but it's going to be something to watch. And uh, again, formation wise. You pretty much know what's going to happen. Uh, they do not change a lot from what I saw in the spring game when I was sitting next to Coach Ide, and we're watching it. We're watching it. The only difference was Jordan Addison when they came in uh, in the fall. And so, if you're a coach and you watch Oklahoma film, that's what you get. You get Jordan Addison out wide. You get Mario Williams in the slot. You get Taj Williams on the other side. You get three tight ends. You get a little play pass here and there. You get a lot of Travis Dye running off tackle. You get Caleb Williams running a RPO with a read and then throw the ball quickly down the middle of the field. All right, so UCLA has the bye week, and it couldn't come at a better time. I mean, back-to-back home wins against Washington and Utah. Now you're going to go to Austin Stadium. We know that venue there is one of the toughest to win at for road teams. We know that. Uh, but two weeks to prepare i'm feeling good especially chip going back to eugene my god that's going to be a fun fun game uh if ucla wins this game and i again you start looking ahead they could run the freaking table i mean they really could what they did to usc last year and we know you know depending on what happens with usc and utah i mean how cool would it be if on november 19th usc was playing ucla in pasadena it's not the rose bowl but the crowd will tell you it's the Rose Bowl. My gosh, man, both those teams could be unbeaten. I mean, that could be something that sets the city of angels on its head. You know, Ken, you talk about that. It's something that everyone talks about and dreams about. It's funny uh, how this goes. Uh, you know, it was famous. The uh, the Cowboys had the triplets with Aikman and Smith and Irvin. Well, each team at SC and UCLA have the triplets on offense. You got Bobo receiver. You got Charbonnet at running back. You got Thompson Robinson at quarterback. And SC, you got Caleb, you got Addison, and you got Travis Dye. They got their own little version of this little war. And, you know, Vegas kids are different. You know that. And he had a lot of success at Gorman. He struggled a little bit at UCLA, but now he's been there five years. And I think he takes it personally that Caleb Williams gets all the ink, and he's been productive. And, you know, he's gone through the ups and downs, and all of a sudden this kid walks in on a red carpet, and everyone's saying, oh, he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. And uh, Thompson Robinson's like, well, what about me? I'm, I'm undefeated. We're doing what we're doing. I just threw four touchdowns against uh, 
against Utah. What about me? And I think this team takes it a little bit more personally. Uh, SC really sold the identity hard early on. UCLA did not. You would, you could, you could not hear anything about UCLA football. They were calling for the end of it. They were saying, "Hey, you know, there's not enough people that care. What about this? What about that?" Well, Washington win, boom, raise the level. Utah, forty-two thousand in the house. They go back and they go on the road to Eugene, and you know, UCLA does not travel well as a football team by any means. Their fan base. I mean, they have trouble getting to the getting to the Rose Bowl, you know. But this is going to be interesting, and this is what everyone's looking forward to. This is a very competitive city, Ken. You know that. The Dodgers are playing right now. The Lakers are getting ready to start. The Clippers are building a new arena. SoFi is the site of the Super Bowl and the national championship. The Rams are Super Bowl champs. The Chargers are a team on the rise. So this is a competitive town. And, oh, by the way, they have a lot of concerts here, too. And I know Vegas is that way also. And you're, st- you're starting to see a microcosm of it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, people that can do a lot of different things on different days. And getting to the top of the food chain is the battle of every uh, sports team in this town. He's great stuff. I mean, just great stuff. I love talking football with Chuck Hayes. I love talking all sports with Chuck, but really the football and, uh, you know, City of Angels, man, lived there for a bunch of years, been an SC fan my whole life, and just remembering games, you know, when I was a kid, watching UCLA and USC, and then the Terry Donahue years in UCLA with those great teams, and then Pete Carroll resurrecting the SC program early uh, turn of the century here, and it's just been a long time coming, though, for these two teams to be consistently good, and I think it would go a long way for this rivalry to get back, especially with them both bolting with the Big Ten. But, I mean, if they can both uh, be undefeated going into that game and play one of those barn burners, it'll be a lot of fun. But SC's got a tall task at Rice-Eccles Stadium. UCLA has a tall task next week. How big is that bye, though, going into that game against Oregon? Because we know Watson Stadium, man, that place just gets louder than loud. Well, I think, you know, when you're winning, as Coach Hyde always talks about, you don't want to change what you're doing. Keep it on. Keep your foot on the gas. Keep driving that train. You know, everyone needs a week off now and then. But, you know, when you do that, when you come back to your desk on Monday, uh, it takes a while to get started again instead of, you know, hey, we're in a routine. We're getting it done. So, again, it cuts both ways. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me jump over before I jump on in, into the NFL with you and uh, focus in on – uh, potential problems there for the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, and then we'll get to the Chargers who have that Monday night game at home at SoFi against Denver. Uh, I want to get your take on a couple of the other big college games coming up. What about Michigan at home against Penn State? They're laying seven, and it's just something about Nittany Lion football when they're getting a touchdown. I don't care where the hell it is, man. I just I always feel like that team, especially coming off a bye, is going to be right there. Now, they haven't had some uh, you know, they, they've had some lackluster games, I should say, over their last few. I mean, Central Michigan, Northwestern, kind of tough to get up for those games. But the way they found a way to win the opener when Clifford took them down the field against Purdue, that turns out to be a key drive in keeping that season right now unblemished for the Nittany Lions. And we know they're gritty, and we know the youngsters, the two freshmen in the backfield, are pretty good. But Clifford's a good veteran you know, quarterback. What's your take on that game? Can Penn State actually go into the big house and get the outright win, or do you think Michigan's just better all the way around than the Nittany Lions? Again, it's from our standpoint, we're looking at it 
Michigan, the big house, expectations, Penn State, on the road. You know, both of these teams, when they're at home, they dominate. It's just because of their fan base, they're 100,000 plus. And it's tough to get a ticket when you're, you know, you're going the other way because those, those ones are always gone. So home field-wise, can Michigan just keep it in drive and know that you know, the fact that they were able to beat uh, Ohio State last year that gave Harbaugh that, you know, that lift that, that they had confidence-wise. So this is going to be one of those games that, again, comes to kicking in defense. I, I hate to say it, but it's Midwest football. Uh, you, none of these coaches want to see a track meet. Track meet means unpredictability. And uh, when you're looking at Harbaugh, you're looking at the way he coaches, hard-nosed, son of, you know, basically Bose's dad. And uh, James Franklin, you know, he, he couldn't think of nothing better. He's got, the, he's got the big contract in his pocket. So Penn State's going to play fast and they're going to play free. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I, I'm telling you, Singleton and Allen, the two freshmen out of the backfield, pretty solid there for the Nittany Lions. Uh, a couple of youngsters with ice in their veins. Should be fun one from the big house because we know Blake Corum, very steady runner. I mean, over six yards of carry. McCarthy doesn't make many mistakes. Uh, good to see Ronnie Bell back in action. And uh, this kid, Schoonmaker, stepped in nicely uh, at tight end. And then Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, they've got players. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, what's your take as far as Minnesota going into Illinois? Because all of a sudden, hey, it's not pretty, but Brett Bielema has Illinois playing some pretty solid defense. I mean, I know a 9-6 win against Iowa, but at the end of the day, you know, they lost their quarterback early in that game. DeVito went down to a leg injury. Sitkowski comes in, and they still find a way to win. Chase Brown's been a stud on the ground. Minnesota off the bye, but when we last left them, they were at home against Purdue as favorites and uh, looking like world beaters, but they did not have Mo Ibrahim out in the backfield, and they've got him back for this game. Minnesota at Illinois in Champaign. All of a sudden, a fun game in the western half of the Big Ten. Who do you like? Well, <laughs> can there be two more different head coaches, uh, Ken, than Brett Bielema and P.J.? P.J. with his rowing your boat thing, and uh, again, I like I like Illinois at home. I mean, how do you not like that with the points? I don't care what you say. And again, no disrespect to any of them, but these this is uncharted territory. I I love the fact that the Big Ten has such great tradition, and you know we start looking at this a little bit closer now. When you know SC and UCLA going back there next year, can you get excited about the Golden Gophers, who by the way are going to play Alabama in a home and home? Can you imagine that Alabama? Going to Minneapolis-St. Paul, well, it's going to happen. But right now, this is the one that's in front. And I like what Brett Bielema has done at Illinois. I've, it's never been a talent issue in Illinois. It's always been a consistency issue. Uh, you know, Mike White, when he was there, he used to recruit Southern California. In fact, the place called Pasadena City College, where Coach Hyde used to be, seven, count them, seven of his players including Kirby Wilson and Tim Brewster, who ended up being uh, uh, captains on that team, went back in, uh, and got to play in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. That's when uh, Illinois came out. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out so well because there was a guy named Rick Neuheisel that lit him up that day. So uh, I'm going to watch this one just because you're so excited about it, Ken. I'll be honest with you. I, this was not on my radar. I've got – I got other issues, <laughs> but now I got to think about the Golden Gophers and the Fighting Illini. You got me. You got me working here. Yeah, you know why? Because I I like that Bielema 
went in there to Madison and took care of business. You know what I mean? I mean, that had to be so gratifying. I mean, I'm just looking back. I didn't see the actual, you know, like the coaches on the field and him uh, talking with Paul Christ, you know, beforehand. But I had said, look, Wisconsin don't get it together. I know Chris' record looks good, but they're just not even competitive in some of these games. And what Illinois did to them, I mean, you shut down Braylon Allen and Malusi and hold them to 16 yards on 14 carries, man, there's something wrong. And those fans in in, uh, Camp Randall were not happy. And uh, that was it, done. And uh, Bielema, look, he's like, I'm not trying to get anyone fired, but, you know, our team's just playing good, suffocating defense. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see them take on Minnesota with Ibrahim back in the backfield there for the Golden Gophers. Okie State's at TCU, Duggan and Spencer Sanders. I mean, good matchup of two quarterbacks that can do it all. And Duggan's really been uh, special, found a way to get that last touchdown at Kansas. My goodness, man. I mean, they lost Jalen Daniels, but Jason Bean stepped in nicely for Kansas. So that was a fun one. What about Okie State? This team finds ways to win. Uh, got the win in Baylor. Uh, last week, they were outgained at home by Texas Tech and a backup quarterback, Baron Morton, stepping in. But still, Spencer Sanders and Okie State. Uh, you know, stayed steady and uh, end up getting the cover with a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. What's your take on Oklahoma State going to TCU? Horn Frogs last I saw three and a half, four point favorites at home in Fort Worth. Yeah, isn't it interesting that uh, the TCU has turned the corner in regards to what Gary Patterson had done for so many years, and they all, you know, they all knew what was going down there with that. When you when you got Gary Patterson, you were going to play a team with great defense and a running game. But uh, let's look at it from this standpoint. You have Texas the week after for Okie State. And uh, you don't want to look at anybody. This, is, this reminds me of one of those NCAA basketball matchups. The 8-12, but this is 8-13, you know? And you got to go into Fort Worth. And, again, whenever any Oklahoma team enters the state of Texas, you know the amount of uh, um, dislike, I'll say, for the color of the color purple is uh, going to be that way. And again, Mike Gundy is a guy that does it his way. He's been there forever. And um, right now I got to say, Okie state only because of the respect of the coaches having them in, you know, in the top, in the top eight. Uh, a lot of people think highly of them, but again, I would never, I would never be surprised that TCU did what they did the way they destroyed the Sooners. So if you're a person that's an Oklahoma fan, whether it's state or, or the Sooners, uh, and you hear TCU, you're going to be paying quite a, quite a bit of attention. Yeah, well, let me let me touch on that Sooners team real quick because they followed that up with a 49 nothing beatdown in the Red River game against Texas. My gosh, man, Venables is saying, why did I ever leave D.C.? I was a good defensive coordinator at Clemson. I could have just stayed there. My kid's there. He's still there, and I'm over here giving up 104 points in two games or whatever it is. I mean, it, Davis Bevel's not going to get it done. I mean, they're hurting big time over there at Oklahoma. And, you know, I, I guess Lincoln Riley got out of town and took uh, his entourage with him. And it's really been ugly if you're a Sooners fan. Now they're at home against Kansas. Look, Jalen Daniels may not be able to go. He was struggling in that game anyway last week. Uh, but Jason Bean stepped in. Here's a kid waiting for a second chance. Got it. Threw four touchdown passes in the second half, over 250 yards, and he rushed for 34 more. I'm thinking Kansas can go into Oklahoma, and, and if the wheels have really fallen off for the Sooners, 
My goodness, they'll drop their third in a row. What's your take on this one, Kansas at Oklahoma? Because, you know, as a football purist, you just look and you go, well, there's no way Oklahoma could lose this game. I mean, but they could. I mean, it's almost like I talked about it last week. I said, hey, I asked Brad Powers, and he knows more college football than I do and been doing it for years. Even though he's younger, he just does it all year round. But I said, man, I said, you know, I know A&M's banged up. And I know it's probably a million-to-one shot that people are even not even thinking about, you know, can A&M go in there into Tuscaloosa shorthanded with a backup quarterback and win outright to make it two years in a row over Saban? Uh, people are just thinking, how many points will Bama beat them by? That's why they play the game. And sure enough, there is A&M on the two-yard line within two yards of making it back-to-back years with Jimbo Fisher beating Nick Saban and a shorthanded, banged-up team, to say the least. So anything can happen on the gridiron. What about Kansas and Oklahoma, and what about the uh, the Sooners? Can they can they get it together, or can Kansas keep things going and just you know be that one play away, basically, with uh, you know a backup quarterback there under Leopold, who's turned this program around big time in Lawrence? Well, we're gonna know early because it's the early. It's one of those early games, and you know with the Jayhawks getting nine, this is one of those crossroad games for for Oklahoma. This is the gut check. This is all week long. Uh, they'll be. They just want to get on the field. They got to get that taste out of their mouth of just getting hammered by by Texas. You know, I just again, uh, if you're an Oklahoma uh, person, and I know a lot of them, uh, they take this stuff very personally. And uh, if the you know the Jayhawks come in and and take care of some things against them. Uh, that could be a signal that hey they made a mistake and you hate to see that at any point in time with a with a coach but when you're in a blue blood and I, I lived it here for the last five years of the of people getting turned off to to what was going on if the OU fans stop showing up or if they start booing early on uh, that has ripple effects because those kids are not used to hearing that in uh, in Norman they they're not. Uh, by any means, expecting not to have 100% of support because that's the way the people are. I always described it this way. If you're at Oklahoma and you're playing the schedule they're playing and uh, one of their your coaches say, hey, coach, we got a problem. Texas has this, this, and this, and we don't have that. One phone call, and that is taken care of by the end, you know, probably before the end of the day because that's the way the fans are at OU. Um, Barry Switzer used to call it the oily monster, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, because enough was never enough. And right now, they are not happy. So, again, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, and we'll see what happens. All right, so we don't know if Bryce Young's going to go, the modern-day kid. If he goes, I think Bama probably pulls out a close game in Knoxville. But if he doesn't, I'm going to bet on Tennessee. I know the line will drop under seven, but I'm not worried about that. I think Tennessee, in fact, I'll take him on the money line, man. I think Hendon Hooker can take care of business. But I have so much respect for Bryce Young. Not that Jalen Milrow is a bad quarterback, because he's not. He's got a lot of talent, but he's just not the passer that Bryce Young is, nor does he have that same cool, calm, collective uh, presence in the backfield uh, the way Bryce Young did and showed in, against Texas when uh, he should have been sacked but avoided that and turned it into a big gainer and kept him alive for that winning field goal. Your take on that one, Bama and Tennessee, are you on board as far as if Bryce Young goes, a game to stay away from, but if uh, Milrose the starter to jump on Tennessee? You know, this is uh, interesting because 
many moons ago, I went to Alabama-Tennessee game when Alabama quarterback was Jay Barker. And uh, Phil Palmer was meeting up against Gene Stallings. And it was one of the great college football games I've ever seen. Uh, Nayland Stadium is a very special experience. But I'm going to say this. I saw the kid from from Alabama come in when um, against Arkansas when Bryce went down. And he played great. And he was a little bit emotional. But when you're a backup, you come in there. Now he got another one under his belt, beating A&M. And I, by the way, I agree with Johnny Manziel. I don't agree with him often. I thought that was the worst play selection. Uh, they got a reprieve and they botched it. And uh, Alabama was able to come away. I think if, if Alabama had lost to A&M, I think Tennessee would be in a much better place. But right now, until you can, uh, you know, you're pulling on Superman's cape, you better handle your business against them, even if you are playing a backup. Uh, Tennessee is not there yet. They're on their way. But I think uh, Alabama is is the team now. Again, I don't know. I have no inside information on that. I'm just it's just a gut of watching and knowing that a player has progressed. Now, what could happen, and this could be difficult, if Bryce Young gets cleared to play and he's not a hundred percent, and he gets hurt again emotionally, is going to hurt Alabama because he's the leader. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's the All American. He's the go to guy. But right now they're believing in the younger player, and uh, you know maybe another week of of him of Young being out and being healthier coming back. There's question marks about how hurt he is in regards to will it get worse or is just something of a pain management situation. All right, so jump to the NFL, defending Super Bowl champion Rams. They're at home. They're minus 10, 41 and a half at SoFi against the Panthers. Look, that makes sense. I mean, the Panthers, Matt Rule's gone, and that team struggles mightily offensively. In fact, Mark Lawrence just sent me a statistic. Do you know they're one – I, I want to say I think this – they're one in 32, the Panthers are – in their last 33, when they give up 17 or more points, that's not even a lot, but that's an that's an incredible statistic. And I'll have to go back and and, and, and I'll just make sure on that number. I'll do that right now. But th- that is an unbelievable statistic. But when you watch the Rams last week against Dallas, you know they struggled offensively. But look, the offensive line you talked about it. It's patchwork, and they're doing the best they can. But when you're going up against Michael Parsons and company, you better bring your A game. And the Cowboys, that's one thing they can do. Yeah, they got Cooper Rush. He hasn't lost a game. But, you know, I talked about Trent Dilfer managing, you know, the Baltimore Ravens offensively because the defense was good enough to win them games or, you know, flip fields or whatever. And you know what? I see this. The similarity there with this Dallas team without Dak Prescott. Look, and Dak doesn't put up a you know incredible statistics. Sometimes they'll have a big game here or there. Is he the guy that I want under center or in shotgun uh, instead of Cooper Rush? Definitely. Uh, but right now, you know, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm happy watching this team. What about that loss there for the Rams at home to the Cowboys? They dropped to two and three. Again, it's a good, solid defense. So I'm not taking you know, too much away from the Rams, but all of a sudden that offense, I mean, if it's not Cooper Cup, who is it? Because they're not getting much consistency from anybody else. Well, Ken, this was a scenario like the perfect storm, okay? It was three plays. It was the first third and one play uh, when the defensive end uh, came storming in and uh, Rob Havenstein got stood up, got thrown into the fullback, Malcolm Brown, who was just having a first opportunity to get on the field in a couple of years for the Rams, 
who threw him into Matthew Stafford, who you know dropped the football, got blown up, and it was returned for a touchdown. So momentum-wise, right away, okay, bam, bam. Then there's 35,000-plus Cowboy fans in the building, and they are having a party, and they are enjoying this, and they are loud. Next thing you know, uh, Riley Dixon, the Ram punter, takes about a half a second more than he should have, and he ends up eating the football from the same guy that just blew up the uh, uh, offensive tackle and the fullback. So they went in there, they made some plays. Um, they lost 22 to 10 to the Cowboys. Stafford showed that he could still, you know, throw it 308 yards. Cooper had seven for 125. Remember, they played on Monday night, but they have struggles. There, there's no doubt the running game is an issue. We've talked about that. However, they're going to get well right away. Why? Because they're going to play a Panther team that the last time that was uh, they were in the um, the Coliseum. That's the first year I did for CBS. Cam Newton was the quarterback, and they won 13 to 10. Well, this is a completely different world. PJ Walker is going to be the quarterback, and let me tell you, I'm going to have to go watch some film on PJ Walker because right now I can't tell you his jersey number. No disrespect to PJ, but he's not Baker Mayfield, and he's not Sam Darnold. Uh, they've had issues out there with McCaffrey. I've heard McCaffrey's name being talked about in possible trade talks. Uh, everybody wants out. Uh, Steve Wilkes used to be with the Cardinals, so he's used to seeing the Rams a couple times a year. But I tell you, Ken, what's going to be really, really um, uh, difficult uh, for Stan Kroenke, when they come in and there's nobody in that building – because, frankly, a lot going on in L.A., as we mentioned, the Dodgers, depending on what goes on there, I don't know what the TV schedule looks like. But the Panthers are not going to bring anybody. So this is going to be a Ram home game where they're going to have to celebrate and get, and get better and get better quickly because, uh, you know, they got to get to 500. And the Panthers are, you know, this is guys are playing for their jobs right now. There you go. Okay, uh, real quick on that stat. Carolina is 1-34 straight up, 6-28-1 against the spread in their last 35 games where they've allowed 17 or more points. That is unbelievable statistic. Only a couple minutes, Chuck. Gosh, dang it, man. I start talking college, and I never leave enough time for the pros. Real quick on Monday, uh, Chargers in Denver in a minute. Can you sum that one up? Because I think the Chargers have – you know, a pretty good advantage the way Russell Wilson's struggling. You know, it was nice to see um, uh, Herbert uh, get healthy, and Eckler had just a tremendous game, 199 scrimmage yards, 173 rushing, 26 receptions, two touchdowns. Uh, This is the night when their defense is going to get better, and uh, we all know that uh, the Broncos only average 15 points a game, and Russell is hurt. Uh, Melvin Gordon comes back to play against his guys, and uh, Again, I think there will be a lot of Denver fans in attendance on Monday night because they do travel. But we saw them leaving uh, last Thursday night, and that was not a good sign. So the fact that they've had a few days rest and uh, the Chargers had to go cross-country two times, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. That's CAH Ironman 7, man. You're the best. I appreciate you big time. I can't wait for us to be able to hang out, uh, whether it be in the City of Angels, whether it be here in Vegas, Phoenix, wherever. 
Chuck Hayes, you are uh, you just a lot of fun and, and really so knowledgeable. And I know your uh, past experience playing the game, it, it just comes out big time. And you and Harvey Hyde, of course, doing a great job on the Trojan Report here on Saturday nights. Hopefully a victorious one on Saturday when we're uh, talking Utah football as the uh, big game for the Trojans at Rice Echoes. Chuck, we'll do it again next week. Appreciate you big time, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much, Ken. 9 o'clock Saturday night with Coach Harvey Hyde. Look forward to it. There you go. Great stuff. That'll do it for me. Now, tomorrow I'm going to get into the uh, the Raider game a lot more. Hour number one, Krivsky will be in studio. And then uh, hour number two, Isco may make it into studio as well. May have both those guys in studio tomorrow night. Uh, Andy's schedule, we never know. Uh, so we'll try and solidify that. But uh, thanks to everybody here at Steiner's. Thanks to you, the listeners. Uh, Raiders have a bye this week, so I'll come out with some grades as well on uh, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, all that good stuff. We'll do that tomorrow in studio. Uh, thanks to Tyler back at the studio doing an outstanding job. Thanks to Mark Hoke as well. And thanks to you, the listeners. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM, 720 AM, KDWN. Archives up by 11 o'clock. God bless, folks. Have a great evening. Talk to you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.